One, two, ten. Welcome to the Claim to Throne Blodgecast, coming on you with insights into what it's really like to be in a do-it-yourself metal band in 2014. Who is it? Climbing the Thorn, Jon Snow's second half of the podge, part two. Jon Snow, Owen's voice of Jon Snow, pretty good. We're about to get into Triumph and Beyond. It's time for that album to come out. We've just finished tracking Triumph and Beyond. We've gone on tour with Ailstorm. We came back a few days later. Jim and Cabba both go to Europe for an extended period of time. And we're still yet to finalise the mixing and mastering on the album, which is due out later that year in about, I think it was due October, but we ended up booking a launch for December. Can I say one thing? Yes. What we have not mentioned is that we recruited our label mate, Dicey Dyson, to play feeling bass for us a lot during the Ale Tales period, whilst uh, the world famous Lord Jim uh, was living his life and working fly and fly out and going on travels and shit. So Dicey was quite familiar with the songs and... At that point, Jim and I, yeah, were traveling whilst we were supposed to be recording on whatever. And we were, yeah, during the recording process at uh, fucking Big Oak Studios. Yeah, Ollie dropped the bombshell that he was moving to Slovakia to live, which was uh, definitely pulled on the heartstrings, not in a good way. Mm. Big bombshell. But yeah, I think he, he wasn't feeling it anyway at the at that point. So, you know, it was, it was all for the best, I'm sure. And what, um, what better way to get in someone to the band who had already filled in, was familiar with all the songs, and was actually a guitarist anyway. Um, so Dicey hopped on board. It was great for us, um, being as that we already had that relationship with him with Prime Cuts Music, and he was probably the funniest person in Perth at the time. Good Still drinker. Is. Yeah, very funny, and um, yeah, determined, and has the know-how to make things work, and his goals aligned with ours, so it was the best thing ever. But yeah, I don't think he was involved with any of the recording process for Triumph Beyond or the writing, but his name is on the, the CD. Yeah, he sort of stepped in as Ollie stepped away. So yeah, we did eventually finish that recording at the very last minute. It was all stress central for Triumph and Beyond. Just a little trivia, Rat Infested Hut song was finished demoing the night before I started drum tracking yeah, in my house yeah. on the couch. Oh yeah, I came over. And yeah, like how are we going to finish this song? How about we do this? Yep, that'll work. Let's do it. Yeah. So that was pretty rushed. So the first few songs had a lot of time spent on them and carved out in the jam room and also live. And then the other half of the album was kind of like written well, but not as refined as the other ones. Somewhere between Only the Brave Return and Ale Tales, I think, in that the song, the, well, the length for starters was, you know, halfway between most of the songs of five minutes. The album as a whole, not entirely long, not enough songs probably, but mm. one of those things where I think we we're just really eager to get something out with our latest lineup. Yeah. And, you know, give the impression to people as to what we're actually doing at the time. And, yeah, we didn't want to be giving Ale Tales as our main release anymore. We wanted something something else. And we had booked a, a date for our CD launch in Perth um, at a venue that's hard to book. So we just wanted to get it all done by certain time frames. Probably rushed through it, but I was still personally real stoked with oh, it. Oh, man. I um, thought it was the best thing I'd ever done. Yeah. Loved all the songs and, yeah, real happy with with where we were going. Did you know that, let's say, a couple of the songs I knew and I'd, I'd sort of written properly on drums, but a, a few of them, it's actually the first time I'd ever attempted to play them was the actual tracking that's on the album yeah, right now. Right. Yeah, so wow. it really made me, just as a musician, sort of step back and go, shit, man, it really pays to refine and recraft whatever you've written and, and kind of assess it, if not to the band on the live circuit or something. It's pretty important, but mm-hmm. yeah. Sick, man. Um, we were stoked, I guess, to have your drumming on Acclaim the Throne release finally as well because we were, you know, played a lot of gigs and people would watch you live and go, fuck, that guy's a good drummer and then they'd buy our CD and 
it would be a different story and they'd be like, this is not the same drumming. What's this about? So then we did have Triumph and Beyond and we could direct people to that CD if that's what they were wanting to hear. Um, And that album came out. We did try our butts off to get international signing and tours and shit. Didn't happen, but we tried and we're still happy to to go back on Primecast again for another release. And that paid off in that we could go around Australia again because Dicey obviously did have connections with um, Soundworks and, and people around the country as well. Um, like people say, it's not what you what you know, it's who you know. Well, it's probably, yeah, half that we knew Dicey and, and half that we were a hardworking band and could show our, our history of working our butts off too. Um, but we got on to the National Bastard Fest tour. Um, I think there was bunch of those around the country in which we did four or five and between those shows we did a whole heap of regional shows around australia as well so it ended up being like a yeah 15 16 day tour or something crazy mm. driving in we a van stoked about from brisbane essentially to melbourne and all places in between which was really cool mm. a lot of fun as a band we had a few days off in weird places went to ninbin went to byron bay went to some funny joints and um and got some funny joints wagga was, wagga yeah it was pretty cool I was like, it was a nice time. It was really awesome. And also, it showed us that um, we'd actually converted a lot of the audiences we played to, and it really showed on our regional tour when in Wagga Wagga on a Thursday night, we were still, you know, doing some good merch sales and getting some people through the door and who knew who we were. So We met Broderick Wade that night, who I think spent $300 himself on merch. Oh, and God. probably doubled that from the rest of Wagga Wagga. So we did really well and it was worthwhile, you know, going to these places. And, and a lot of people you'd meet say, oh, man, I've been following your band since the beginnings and I never thought I'd see you in my town. So thanks for coming. And that's that's real cool to hear. Yeah, it was a cool thing. And it just goes to show that you've got to, you've got to have your shit wired. And I always thought... When I joined Claim of Throne, I was very professional. They always were striving to have the recordings, the video clip, the um, professional atmosphere to back up whatever they could do on stage. So it was a really cool thing for me to step into. Do you remember the first time you ever had an on-stage funnel whilst drumming? No. I do remember one time at Amps when I was just in like quite a frenetic part of Words of the Great Oak. And I think it was Martin Lloyd funneled me during that song. (laughs) And it was just as I'm about to basically blast for a hell of a long time. And um, that's, you know, as drawn out as that song is, there's some quick sections in it and it's just happening there. And so I'm going, no, no, no. And he's thinking that's like, yes, yes, yes. So he comes up, funnels me. And as I start blasting, that's in that last section that's really long. And um, he pulled it away because it's a bit hard because I'm in a stationary spot and he sort of started leaning back as the funnel was finished and I'm trying to like hold on to it so it doesn't go everywhere. And he pulls it out and the foam just sort of went all over my <laughs> snare, my pedals, my feet got all slippery. Yeah, and welcome to claim the throne. Mate. Yeah, exactly. And so it was, pre- it was pretty funny though. Um, and thank fuck none of the electronics blew up underneath me. But yeah, whatever. When you joined, did you think Jim and I talk way too much between songs? That's more what happens when we talk too much at Jam and think about things that we just happen to be talking about some shit that is funny lately or something. And then when we get on stage, it's like a longer version of the conversation <laughs> that we previously had in the week because everyone's a bit drunk and doesn't realize how much time's passing. <laughs> Awesome. And then, um, yeah, so that was that was an amazing tour and uh, yeah, big step up for us. And, and then after that, we did happen to score another opportunity doing the national sport for Fintroll, mm. who, as we mentioned before, was an influence when the band started. So that was a massive thing for us to be able to get onto. Real stoked and then go back and, um, yeah, of course, I guess um, maximize our fan base and solidify the fans that we built on the previous tours. Um, yes, playing to the same people again, a few different songs and shit. 
And what was funny is that uh, Dicey wasn't available for that tour. So we got to fill in Joshua William Mosley and he is a mad dog. So he played bass and Jim actually stepped onto guitar and there are a whole lot of uh, fucking sweeping and shit going on. Yeah, that's right. Which was just funny. And yeah, it was really weird to be playing in a band with Jim on guitar. Yeah, and we had Josh Wosley on bass from Gallows for Grace and then Trails Eradicated. But yeah, no, that was super fun. But yeah, definitely very weird. It's it's funny because I have heard, you know, people say you guys only get these tours because... Dicey's in your band and whatever, which, you know, doesn't hurt having in in the band, but I still think it's a crock of shit. And you'd be surprised at the amount of... For this Fintroll tour, for example, I mean, he couldn't even play and it was almost to the point where we might not be able to do it if, if our guitarist can't play. So it does also have its downfalls if people aren't available and that. Does that make sense or have I had too much vodka? No, no, no. It makes sense. We get that, especially from being in a small scene in Perth. Like, you know, we've been kicking around this place in different bands for years and they always said like, oh, you know Burb from squared so that's how you got on the rosemount rumble with heavyweight champ and you're like come on <laughs> at the end of the day it doesn't fucking matter like if someone puts you on a gig because they like you then they like you that doesn't really fucking matter but yeah. i know our humble beginnings with claim the throne getting a soundworks tour without having dicey as a band member as soon as he happens to be it becomes some sort of an issue and it's like i've been around enough to know that if you go on a tour and you suck ass mm-hmm. or you're unprofessional or you have a bad product like dicey originally said with the prime cuts thing you wouldn't expect to get any national tours if your product is only the brave return yeah because as much spirit as it had in it and it did um it just wasn't produced that well and also the performance wasn't the best so no he told us it was shit um but yeah we didn't get bitter we got better and he saw that and it was obviously a big jump up i've been in bands before where we've had a lot of touring opportunities and just didn't convert crowds and we're talking to like a lot of people between four to six hundred people and not the first tour that these guys have done and to only sell minimal merch every night and to only convert a small number of fans whether it's the product whether it's the live show whether it's the promotion who knows but if you get these opportunities and don't capitalize on them then you're not going to get more opportunities whereas i like to think with claim the throne we delivered on all aspects and that gave us a bit more of a future so say whatever you will about the origins of how these tours and opportunities come about fucking grow up man up don't get bitter get better do what you have to do write your stuff record it well tour it well that's all you can ask for yeah fucking good talking ash good podging the biggest part of our career to date then rose with the opportunity for a uk massive tour with ailstorm and also um a band called darkest era who were doing good things at the time too and still are but that one really arose because the first opportunity we got for our national tour with Ailstorm, um, we impressed well and, um, you know, networked and, and got along really well with them. So we were really lucky enough for them to offer us a support slot for them in uh, in the UK as well. And, yeah, I guess that's a, a really big learning key point. Um, you know, if, if you impress someone and you work hard enough and you're professional and you're friendly and you get along with people, then opportunities arise and that's exactly what happened. So 16-day UK tour was fucking amazing and the best thing we've ever done and hopefully get to do a lot more of that in the not-too-distant future as well. Um, Some funny things happened on that tour. Not too long ago, we had a podcast about Cabba's top 10 Claim the Throne gigs ever, so I do encourage you to go back through the archive and find that one. That was fun. Fucking amazing. But yeah, then we did get back and there was nothing else on the cards and we had, you know, these tour bugs where we just wanted more stuff to be happening and... We hadn't had any luck getting signings or anything with Triumph and Beyond and it was that point in time again where we wanted something better to be able to send out. 
it's funny, yeah, a few years after every release, you just get to that point where you're like, I'm not happy sending out that city anymore. I want a new one because you, the band has improved and you want to be able to showcase what the band's doing currently. And so, yeah, we, we did start writing songs again. Um, we had written one new song before that UK tour that we played at all the shows. Um, but that, you know, was over one year of writing. We'd written one song, which was The World Grows Dull. And then we wrote the entire rest of the album in like six months which is like 70 minutes worth of music, and recorded at home for the first time. Thanks, Ash. No worries. And the same lineup as for multiple releases, consecutive yeah. releases, which was the first time that happened too. So in comes Forged in Flame, recorded at home, bought a whole heap of gear, worked hard, and wrote the best songs of our career, we believe, as well. So turned out really well. That's where we are now. All the reviews were super duper. Still no luck getting signings, which really sucks. It's, it's hard hard gig out there uh, i think we've mentioned this on an earlier podcast but yeah as far as that whole signing thing goes it was really funny on triumph and beyond we said hey we've got this album done and labels overseas said you know what this is a really good product we really like this but you've already released it so we want to hear your next stuff but we want to we want to hear your demos and your stuff like that blah 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 anyway in that sort of two-year period the industry changed a little bit more i guess a lot more people were recording at home and producing finished works so when we said, hey, we've got this bunch of pre-production and demos and stuff like that to send to you, we actually spent a hell of a lot of time. It was probably six weeks working really hard on getting five of the songs from Fortune Flame to like quite a good pre-production level. And we sent them away to labels and they said, oh, no, we actually want a finished product this time. It's exactly. It's impossible to know what they want. And, and then we took the angle of we released it, but only in Australia. Yeah, we, we did worked on promotion and hardcore in australia getting reviews from australia web scenes getting interviews around australian radio and whatever and national city launches so we did perth uh, melbourne sydney and bunbury and then submitted them to labels again saying we've released it in australia here's the finished copy this is what it sounds like we'd love to release it in europe or us or wherever still struggle so mm. but again don't get bitter get better we just got to keep working on it and we have had short distribution runs in the states and Japan. We still sell quite a lot, um, yeah, over, you know, our own personal merch store online, which is really cool. But yeah, I guess our ultimate goals these days are to, to get um some bigger tours over there and hopefully festivals one day too. Um, which from what I can gather, you really need to be signed to someone big over there. Mm. Um, but that's cool. From there we did those city launches, all went down really well and all the feedback to to the latest album Forged in Flame has been amazing. So thanks everyone for supporting that. Um, yeah, all the reviews have been real tops. Um, and we did get a couple awesome supports not long after the city was out. That was um, with Cradle of Filth in Perth and also Moonsorry in Perth. And we did mention Moonsorry a lot earlier, again, being one of um, the band's biggest inspirations. So that was a massive thing for us too. And for Jim and I, it was a massive thing to support Cradle of Filth, being mm. that we both enjoy Dusk and Her Embrace <laughs> and Cruelty and the Beast quite a lot. So that was funny. And here we are podcasting here we are and then then we started this whole fucking thing out which we started as you probably know if you've listened to a podcast before just um sorry during the fortune flame period we wanted to document how the home recording process went and we didn't want to do it via camera because we can't be fucked editing down a whole bunch of shit and we didn't want to do like an online blog because it would just probably take too long so we thought this would be a nice idea cabra and i listen to a lot of podcasts so we yeah the aim was to document um the recording process that didn't quite happen because we got too busy recording and um yeah we just continued it on and here we are today so i guess cabba to start wrapping this sucker up uh what we seem to be at the back end of 
we're at the midway point of Forged in Flame. Um, we've toured it a little bit across Australia. We've got plans to expand that internationally over the next 12 months. Um, but we're starting to get towards that moment where we think, hey, Forged in Flame's good, but I think we can produce something new, which maybe is not better than Forged in Flame, but certainly a more adequate representation of where we are as musicians. Um, what are your influences now and where would you like to take Claim the Throne for the next album? It's funny because we're only six months in since its release date um, and to be coming, you know, to that feeling already and it's after, you know, a 70-minute album of heaps of songs that we can't even play all of them and we want something new already. It, it's good. It's a healthy thing, I think, to want to keep improving. But what are the influences at the moment? Um, who knows? Like, I really... I'm stoked with where Forged in Flame um, ended up and really looking back, if I could hear Forged in Flame eight years ago as to when this band started, I would be blowing my load all over the room and probably into your mouth <laughs> from here as well. So, yeah, that it, it to me, it's like where we've been trying to get this whole time. We finally got there after however many years. But that being said, I'll hear the next album and, you know, might might be different again. And I don't know, I, I think we've really found our sound and... um so we'd be, I'd be stoked to keep going for the same type of thing, but just you know, different songs again and and whatever. Um, a little bit more refined, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I do know we have all been listening to a lot of power metal this last couple of years, mm. which is just out of control. We'll never be a power metal band. Um, but it, it does give you a different outlook in in regards to songwriting and things as well. So maybe they'll be structured a bit differently each song. I have been listening to, as I know you probably have as well, a lot of doom metal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so even bands like Swallow the Sun, and I know I crap on about Ahab all the time as well. So you never know, we might sort of have some slower, crazier, doomy stuff, um, mixed into the next songs. Um, but I'm also pretty excited about some of the younger folk metal bands coming up around the world as well. I've been listening to bands like Aether Realm and Primal Frost that excite me that there is that Winter Sun influenced type bands coming through that, you know, could be, um, you know, could could take the whole folk melodic death thing to the next level and and um yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we sort of keep continue along that route as well um but i guess yeah in regards to where forged in flame is going to go next we've obviously got um a gig tonight which will be done by the time we release this podge and um we will be playing in jakarta in a couple of weeks for the hammersonic festival which is a massive thing as well and I can probably say that we're going to be back in Asia before you know it as well for a, a bit of a tour too. And hopefully, um, yeah, get to some different areas, maybe even Japan and shit a bit later on this year too. Um, and as always, our ultimate goals are to, to hit up um, Europe and US. So we'll, we'll keep working our butts off on that for the rest of the year. And we will absolutely be around the country again later this year as well. And we're going to do our best to bring one of our biggest influences from Europe out here too. Don't don't quote us on that, but yeah, you may have heard us talking about some bands on here throughout the podcast. Let's get them over to Australia. Yeah, and I think uh, from my perspective, things have changed a little bit. You know, like you say, if if twenty year old Cabba heard Forged in Flame, he'd fucking load all over Sleet's face. But uh, yeah, I think that's the same with me. I would never picture myself sort of creating the sort of drumming that I managed to do on Forged in Flame. So yeah, I think my my touring stuff has like almost all been ticked off. I'd love to, yeah, do a bit of Asia and do a bit of America. But it's funny how your priorities change when when you start out, you go, man, I'd love to play a show, wherever that may be, your hometown, Perth, whatever. Um, and then as we keep doing 
bigger and bigger things, it's yeah, it's sort of you get the taste lesson. for things. Your goals change, and yeah. And in one hand, the the goals we do have seem crazier than ever before, but at the same time, it's like there's a lot less things to tick off the list, which is pretty interesting. So for me, I'd love to focus on after a period of touring this album, I'd love to focus on the next one and just make it that pinnacle thing. Like I, I treat every claim of throne thing like it's the last thing I'll ever do, and. Um, yeah, I think if we put that focus into the next one, we can hopefully step it up at that extra notch again. Whether or not it be the complexity or the length of Forged in Flame, it'll at least um, just have s- just some aspect behind it that we'll, we'll see a marked improvement, and that's what I hope for. Awesome. And what we have been talking about a bit amongst ourselves as well is about perhaps re-recording only the Brave Return one day. And I think if we could you know, get around to doing that, that would really um, help us you know, capture our roots a bit more. And then when we do go to the new album... I don't know, it would just, again, maybe sound even more so like Claim the Throne ever has as well. Could be beneficial, um, but yeah, who knows what, what we'll end up mm. doing next. But yeah, we'll keep I, you guys yeah. posted if you tune in to the podcast. You'll hear, hear what we're doing as we go. Yeah, I'd lo- I would love to do that. And we did talk about doing that actually by now. It was supposed to be done also a covers album. And as much as I think we'd all really love to do that just yet, man, it's been way too busy, which is a good thing. Um, I'm glad we don't have time to muck around with shit like that at the moment. Um, but yeah, definitely a project that I know you've always been keen to do mm. and I've certainly been keen to check into What that, if we so. didn't do this podcast? Could we have recorded it by now? I am going to say yes. <laughs> this has been so many hours. And to be honest, I haven't even learnt any of the songs because it's one thing just like learning the shit that was on the first one but just playing it better. But it's also just like making it better as well. Yeah, Like yeah. I know you'd want to refine your guitar parts a bit. and Sure, yeah. But hey, it'll, it'll happen, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm pumped to get some new stuff out again, for sure. And yeah, just finding that time to do the writing and get inspired. And yeah, need to, to find, keep uh, finding some awesome bands to listen to and be inspired by people. So, uh, Any final words, Cabba, on the history of Claim of Throne? It's been good to go over. I've um, been very nostalgic, so I've learnt a lot of things that we used to do that I completely forgot about, but it's yeah. nice talking through it with you. Mm. And I'm, yeah, absolutely stoked as to where the band is today. Would never have even thought we'd be where we are, to be honest. Never thought we'd have a podcast. (laughs) So, you know, the fact that we never continued writing books, I'm glad that we are still doing out there stuff like this. Mm. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, so stoked to have had such support from from all corners of the globe. It's um, pretty amazing that that sort of stuff's happening. Stoked with all the people we've met over the years. Fucking miss the shit out of Ollie and Brenton and the crew. But yeah, couldn't be happy with the lineup and what we've done and achieved. And it's been fucking awesome and really excited for this year as well. We've got a, yeah, a lot of awesome shows coming up and a few more things to announce. So really excited and hope, um, hope we can keep stepping it up every time, um, we do have a new CD. So keep working hard. No plans to quit the band just yet anyway. No. I'm trying to think of a question for you, but I don't have one. So just give us a wrap up, Ash. See, I had a lot more questions, but it ended up just being the influence ones and the things that you mentioned. I will say, this this is my final question, right? It's, final thoughts! <laughs> it's a little bit off topic, but... Okay, so you know how only the Brave Return Ale Tales were Brendan Ninnis? Oh, yes. Art, and then the next two were Chris Hancock... How could I forget? ...on Triumph and Beyond and Fortune in Flame, both of which we were very, very happy with. Um, actually, all the albums, you know, it seems the band has always been really stoked with the artwork... Um, but perhaps a time for change is necessary in our law of twos that we're having at the moment. How do you foresee a few things? The art, for one, being expressed on the next Claim of Throne. Two, the video, uh, the next video we do. Um, and three, I guess, the production of the album. Do you, do you have any sort of insights into the future of how you would like to go about it? Because it helps me because, yeah, it'd be interesting to know what to pitch for. Yeah, the artwork, 
yeah, I can't believe I forgot to mention Chris Hancock. Obviously, we made that transition, and it, yeah, it was really cool. Have some different stuff out there. Yeah, I would like to go something different again. Who knows? We'll see, see what happens. Um, when the music's starting to be written, you get a bit of an idea of how you want the art to sound. One thing I've always wondered about is whether we need a new logo or not. Not that I don't like mm. the new lo- the current logo. It's awesome. But a lot of bands do make that transition over to, I'm thinking, even Flames at the moment. I don't know why. But f- them from having an awesome, grim-looking logo to, like, a Times New Roman font logo that's yeah. easy to read. Yeah. And ours has always been, like, sort of that square shape. And on posters and stuff, it can be pretty difficult as opposed to having, like, a horizontal-type logo. Anyway, just food for thought. Mm. Um, what are the other questions? Production-wise, pretty stoked with Forging Flame, and I reckon if we did it exactly the same way next time, we'd be even better at it, um, and I reckon we could pick up our game a lot more as well with the, the skills and lessons we learnt from that. Um, and, yeah, even just being more prepared each time as well, I think that would make a real big difference. There was a part two of that question, which I forgot. And the other one was like videos and stuff videos. like that. Videos. We didn't do one for Triumph and Beyond, which is a, no, not not the best thing ever. I was hoping we'd have another one by now for this album, actually, and mm. it still could happen. The only things we've actually spoken about were the potential for some animation, yeah, perhaps yeah. a shorter song, which we'll is an still interesting be keen on idea. That. Yeah, that might also a time yeah. thing. Be keen on just experimenting ourselves if we can make our own sort of budget thing and. The, the other idea was just a, a single camera, handheld, rough and ready thing for a shorter song like perhaps The Thousand Thunders or Incursion, yeah. where it's just a short thing and we just cut it and edited it ourselves purely for YouTube for no one else's purposes. Totally. Um, which would be interesting. But um, yeah, seeing that we've we've gone down the route of professional style video clips and certainly experimented in studios and stuff like that, do you see uh, perhaps... You know, now that we've done a DIY kind of thing, do you see a return to, you know, the professional side of the coin or do you think we continue with DIY? Just as an interest thing, what I'd do you say, think? I mean, I think when we start the writing process again, we'd go DIY for demoing at least mm-hmm. and then we'd probably get a bit of a feel as to whether we want to continue with that for the, the main recording or whether we want to try out other places. Obviously, it's like awesome going to re- uh, recording studios. Um, if you go to the right one, there's uh, that money problem which sucks. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've both got good and bad points. It's awesome if we do it ourselves. We get to, you know, work off the clock and do things in our own time, get to hang out with each other and do things as we want, learn as we go, get stuff sounding however we want it. But yeah, also studios are pretty amazing and get to hang out in there and see some different gear and, and all sorts of things. So who knows what will happen? Um, yeah, obviously no set plans for that. Um, and it depends whether we happen to get a label on board one day as well. I don't know whether we get some mm. funding, all sorts of shit to consider. Uh, just taking it as it comes at the moment and, and happy with where we are. Me too. Do you have an ultimate goal for Claim of Throne? My ultimate goal would be, as I said before, it's kind of like every album I do, everything I do with Claim of Throne seems like the ultimate goal at the time. Triumph and Beyond was an interesting writing approach with a nice solidified lineup, but wasn't quite there. Forged in Flame, I think the writing was almost all the way there. Like it was very you know, as good as we could get to all the way there at the time. But then the, you know, trying DIY for, for the first time was sort of an interesting thing and that could be picked up. So I feel the next one, if it combines the two with this nice solid lineup, everyone contributing to the writing, but then expressing that through great production or like even increased production values, but still with that luxury of time that we had with Forged in Flame, with a new approach towards things like art videos and how we're promoting ourselves and whether that means signed to a label overseas are still 
completely DIY, self-managed. What we've done is already amazing. And I think what we do in the future, if we just do it well, then that would be my goal. How about you? Very similar, I guess. I'd, I'd love for the next album for us to be able to write all the music early days as opposed to rushing at the end and then using our time at the end to really strategize and structure everything we want to do a lot better you know, as, as mm-hmm. to how we want to take it, like you said, with videos or approaching labels or whatever. If the songwriting's out of the way, we don't have to worry about that anymore. We, we think about what we want to do going forward. But obviously for me, ultimate goals is, is touring and yeah, to get on perhaps a, a big German music festival or a, a big US tour or something like that. Mm. If I mm. can achieve one of those, I'd be like, yep, done, finished goals. But at the same time, yeah, then you achieve those and then you want to do the next thing. So who knows? Goals are endless. What's interesting though is that if I achieve my goal and you achieve your goal, then we each also achieve. Totally. So like I didn't mention touring, I was sort of more about the nuts and bolts of the stuff. You were about touring and getting out there and it exposure and stuff and man i'd be fucking happy with that and i know you'd be stoked Mm. if we produced an awesome product so i think it's cool that we we do have differing goals totally because we achieve them for each other just pulling the heartstrings right now i know i'm feeling good anyway this um this podcast is over thanks for tuning in and thanks to everyone who's been supporting this podcast over the uh 20 episodes and everyone of course who's supported claim the throne over the years it's been a wild ride and um yeah super fun so you've enjoyed it as much as we have and as always, if you've got anything to say to us, don't hesitate. Send us an email at info.claimthethrone.com or go to claimthethrone.net and record your voice like Bernard Shaw did today and we will obviously play it on air. Obviously, you would have heard of claimthethrone.net and, um, yeah, all sorts of stuff happening there. Get involved. Uh, also, check out our Facebook, our Twitter, our Instagram. All of them are linked from claimthethrone.net, but you can also get that on claimthethrone.com or any of those other social media resources. We crap on about it all the time to sort it out. If you do go to iTunes, subscribe and leave us a review if you can. Uh, that would be much appreciated. And also, feel free to leave us feedback on claimthethrone.net or even just ask us questions uh, through the Facebook. We do check that sort of stuff and we do like you a lot <laughs> we like you too ash and i'm not going to go through all the gigs because you're going to forget what dates they are but go to claimthethrone.com click on the gigs link and there's a whole heap of them there and i hope you enjoy them we should play one claim the throne song i think we should play a series of claim the throne songs really yeah don't you reckon like one from each era maybe an intro from only the brave return what about plunder saga that was your favorite fuck yeah how about we start with plunder saga what about we play all the intros <laughs> that would be pretty <laughs> funny plunder saga off ale tales then we play thousand thunders off triumph and beyond because that's a short one then move into black law is very short and then finish up with even world grows dull world grows dull cool i like that set that's a lot of tunes it's gonna be like an hour and a half podge oh it's gonna be in two parts right is it i it think can be. so yeah it has to be in two parts all right awesome stay tuned with the fucking interview fucking ever
worlds were once the splendor of creation. They have seen many bloody battles. Now they endure wretched existence, only knowing murder and
to life, let's the soul. See the world go down.